Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, episode number 203. I'm your host, David Palermo, and on this podcast, Nate Geary from WGR 550 joined along. And we had a great conversation, really focused on the entire uh, Bills quarterback debacle, all the way back down to the draft, along with some stats, some Dick Geron talk, Buddy Nix, Doug Whaley, McBean. McBean, McBean. So stay tuned. As always, subscribe on iTunes, follow along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, so on the line, I have Nate Geary from uh, WGR 550. And uh, so, Nate, what's your Twitter handle? And you want to say hello real quick? Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me at Nate Geary WGR. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm, uh, I guess, I guess you could call me the resident troll. Um, So, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, of course, all my work up at WGR550.com. Bills pregame, halftime, postgame, all that good stuff. Now, Nate, I haven't talked to you, it feels like, forever in podcast form, but uh, I met you a couple years ago, and I've always liked you. And even on Twitter before I met you, I was like, dude, you're the truth coming up, man. Like, young kid. I didn't realize how young you were at the time either. Um, so I've been, like, in touch with you, and you're, you've been, like, you and Matt Collar at first are kind of, like, my first people to talk to from WGR, really. And um, I appreciate your time, and... And I think your your insight is spot on. You're not too much of a homer. Not going to drop names. You're, you're you're in the middle, you know. And you're very. You seem very objective. Like you have a lot of hope for the team. So, um, just real quick, man. Your post game show. Can you tell us like what you've been up to? Like you've like seriously in two years just been crushing it. And your post post game show, the overtime show, the real deal overtime show. Like you don't understand me. I, I'm like driving home, and my friends are like, "Dude, you got a call." And the line's busy, and I'm just like ready. Just like ready to fire like McBean myself. Like I'm like losing my mind. Yeah, like on the way home from these games. So I didn't know like how's it going, dude? How do you love it? Like, do you like it? Are you enjoying it? Is it hard? Like, what's it like? Yeah, man, it's great. You know, uh if you're a Bills fan growing up like me, I mean, I grew up uh stones throw from the stadium. Um, you know, I live right off of Southwestern growing up and uh right in Hamburg, like right on right right past top. So like you know, I, I grew up a stone's throw away from the stadium, and my whole thing getting to this point and, and, and um, playing football in college, and then when you know when I stopped doing that and, and got into the radio broadcasting career. Funny you mentioned Matthew Collar because you know obviously Matthew was in my position before I, before leaving to, to greener pastures in Minnesota, um, and you know this is my uh, this is going to be my second full year um, on, on the overtime show, and, and I love it. You know, it's it's great and. Um, it's, it's good to be able to sort of, uh, have a forum to allow Bills fans after the game to sort of, um, you know, get their gripes out and, and sort of get their, uh, their frustrations out on the table. And, um, I feel like I'm a pretty good, um, you know, a, a table setter for that. And, you know, yesterday, for instance, um, you know, what, what I felt that needed to be talked about was the whole Calvin Benjamin situation with him you know, basically declining to take additional reps with his, with his quarterback. And, and what I, I have done a little research on is the, the least efficient offense um, in, in over 75 years of keeping of efficiency records. So 
um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun, uh, but it's also, uh, it can also be pretty frustrating and pretty, uh, um, pretty difficult to do after, especially because Mike and Chris are on immediately after the game and I get a nice, typically hour, hour 45 to, to sort of stew over and boil over uh-huh. with some of my emotions from the game, which might actually be a good thing that I don't have to immediately go on because sometimes I feel like if I immediately had to go on that, uh, it wouldn't be pretty. I'll tell you what, from experience, Nate, um, you know, ideally, yeah, this sounds crazy. I would podcast sit like literally every day. Like I could talk to a traffic cone, dude. I'll talk to myself every day on recording. Like I really don't care because it's just kind of fun, you know? But um, it, it's like when I look at these things and I look at, um, you know, emotionally, I'm the best probably a couple hours right around where you are. I'm like, okay, Mike and Shope, Mike Shope and, and Bulldog are kind of, I don't want to say my litmus test, but um, I talked to you, I talked to you a couple months ago and I was like, dude, I really want to send Mike, send Mike Shope an email and like hit him up and be like dude you are spot on about how tyrod's this might have been like before training camp like spot around since how tyrod's been treated and yada 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 and i honestly think that a lot of media like from where i'm coming from it was literally the scaffold on a job site trying to stream any bills talk i could find from my blackberry on national radio you know like i didn't even know if i could stream wgr i didn't even know that wgr existed i call it show bulldog on my way home in rochester on cmf or something here one day you know i didn't know like so i was doing whatever i could pretty much just like i'm buffalo rumblings commenting and then i got into joe rogan experience i'm like screw this dude i'm just gonna talk about it and just have an intelligent deep thought conversation because I want to have that next level conversation, which is like level three and up, which is where Shope and Bulldog and you tend to be, which is just like, it isn't good enough to give me that, you know what, we just do what's best for the team and we have a process. No, dude, I'm a nerd. I'm not really into drinking and getting hammered and going to party. I don't give a shit. Like I leave my house in Rochester around eight o'clock with my crew at eight, eight fifteen. I try to always hit the red pinto because there's really good friends down there but we have our own crew too and and you know it, it's become a community effort and people say you know what it's your choice i'm gonna rant here to go on a, a season ticket venture but like not for nothing it's really taxing you know and it and it costs a lot of money and when i want to find out how the chicken soup is made you don't got to give me every damn detail but when you've never done it and your team, McDermott, has gone from making the Super Bowl and then you lose a cornerback and your whole defense just falls on its face. And the reason you're hired is because you're so organized with a notebook prepared for every situation. What? And I've been saying it the whole time, Nate. Like, come on. Don't come in here this hot like that. So, like, your job, you have to calm down a little bit. You have to because you might lose your job, like, if you say the wrong thing. Like, you have a lot of people. And I know it's like... I don't want to say the wrong thing, but like you have to be very calculated, I think, in, in the FCC airwaves too. You know, like it's yeah. There's there's no doubt about that, and and you know, I mean, I was a season ticket holder before I um, started working Bills game days four years ago, and you know, I, I was on both sides of the spectrum. You know, as a fan in the stands, but also as uh, as now a guy that has to. Um, you know, keep that level head and, and keep that um, that sort of uh, even keel. And I mean, you're mentioning too, like, 
it is frustrating being a, a part of the member, a member of the media now with this Bills team who just doesn't want to give any sort of information or or just give you those same five answers for every question that 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 you know you come at. And I think there's a lot of and, and what frustrates me maybe more than anything, man, is just this this level of you know uh, uh, I guess just this this. Ooh, I want to fill. I want to fill in the blank so bad of just like sorry to cut you off, but but for me, if I was filling that blank, Nate, and I'm gonna shoot it right back to you, it would be this arrogance of like we know more than you is what I'm getting. I don't know if that's what you were saying. And it's just like no, dude, you got to do better than that. Like you can't roll jo- Josh Allen out after some racist fucking oh, excuse my French racist tweets here, and not be able to defend it properly. You're clearly unprepared. Don't tell me you know more. That's at least kind of like where I was going but well you know and I mean for, for me what what's frustrating are, are the people that defend it and, and the people that say you know well the the media doesn't deserve any more than what they get and, and this and that but they'd be all over a coach like Sean McVay or Matt Nagy or one of these younger style coaches that they don't fear giving information or 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 being transparent or or taking the blame and and what i really think of it as too is is when these guys are unwilling to answer questions though it just means there's more questions to the players in the locker room because the media didn't get enough answers during their press conference with the head coach so now those those answers get get sort of boiled over into the locker room and now players are asked questions that they normally wouldn't be if the coach had just you know, addressed some of the questions post game rather than than let it get to the locker room after a game, and 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 it, it just goes down to a deeper, uh, more cerebral level of just this is a game, it's a sport, um, and, and of course it's professional, and and of course you want to exude that professionalism, but at the same time, I think you know that the 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 game portion sort of gets lost on these guys that. Um, as much as you want it to be a fun atmosphere, and but not only that, it's just you want the people that are paying all that money to to feel like they're a part of something, and and not that that you know they're not, but the fact that this organization can't really. And I mean, the Sabers have the same problem with with game day experience. I mean, you hear Mike talk about it all the time with the Sabers. It's, it's so like unorganized. They, they have, it's like things that, have, that like I could solve their problems with logistics, with, the, with, with whether it's it's ordering a coffee at the right price, knowing that you get free refills, knowing, you know, it sounds like the same problem with the Sabres game. It's just like ridiculous. And I know the Pagulas are trying to seem like really nice people, and I don't want to crush them, you know, ever. And sometimes what they do is they just hire people, which is what they're good at, and they just let them do their job. But a lot of and, times and it spirals out. To, they tend to fire the guy or, or hire the guy, I should say, that, that woos them, but maybe isn't the problem. I mean, you go back to Rex Ryan, and Rex Ryan, you know, schmoozed them. And, and that is what ultimately led them to hiring Rex Ryan. And the same thing with Sean McDermott is he schmoozed him and, 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 and you know, J- Tim Murray. And they, they end up hiring these guys that, that aren't necessarily, you know, ha- have the requirements to be a uh, professional, whether it's general manager, head coach. But because of their interviews, they get schmoozed and easily and easily sidetracked about somebody's personality rather than their ability to actually function in that position. It's like they make me like, Nate, do you think you can get me and like Kim Pakula over coffee and I could just talk her into hiring me for something? Because I really don't like having a drywall contracting company. It really sucks. And like, (laughs) I mean, I'm a really good talker. I'm a grinder. I will sit there for like 
10 bucks an hour and grind some tape out for you to edit to show you Kim Pagula. I'm good at work, but like just throwing out my resume to Pagula Sports and Entertainment, I am here for hire. I don't care. You guys seem to be like good people. Like that's what I like about them. And they seem like really good people. I love that Galasano sold the Sabres to them, you know, and, and I know it's like just so it's like so great. So, you know, for me, I was going to go on a rant because I really want to dive into this, but I told you I wrote it down and I was going to give a quick reset on, on my feels here. Um, and it's pretty much in lockstep with you, which is like, you know, right off the bat, I started getting involved because I have a big mouth. I, I started playing music and the Bills kind of got my mind off of music. I didn't come up a Bills fan. My dad was not a Bills fan. He was a Vikings fan. I was always liked my dad's football teams and I always played Madden and Tecmo Bowl since they came out like Nintendo. Right. So I've always been just like, I, I'm fascinated with Michael Jordan. I was really in the nineties ball. And then. When things started to get frustrating with music, I started to really look towards the Bills more at an analytical standpoint, like around especially like a little bit before the Jerron years. And when Jerron came in, I was like, I hope they don't hire this dude. And I, I was going to look up the stats, but I am willing to bet $100 that the Bills offense is worse than any of Jerron's first, what, six games? To, to yeah. Not only are, is this Bills offense worse than that offense, they're actually worse than any offense recorded since 1950. The 2002 Houston Texans offense, which is considered one of the worst offenses in terms of efficiency all time, right. the Bills are 8.8 percentage points lower in efficiency than that football team was, to give you an idea. And that's on a, it, it's DVOA and it's ranked in percentages. And the Bills are ranked negative. 51.8 and the next closest team is that 2002 Houston Texan team at negative 42.8 so that just gives you an idea of how much lower um, the standard is and the efficiency of this offense is considering that that Houston Texans team gave up the most sacks to for Derek Carr, for uh, David Carr of all time and they were an expansion team. They were a new football team to the NFL. So Expected. that gives you a little bit, uh, that gives you some reference point there. Okay, so now I'm going to go into the next little uh, thing here. So, you know, on the scaffold, doing the whole Buffalo Rumblings thing, they introduced eventually Chan Gailey. Because we would go down, my friend and I, from this band, Fork Tongues, kid Chris Poe, he would sing, we'd do our thing, we go to Buffalo Wild Wings, we watch um, the game, either at Sports Page, Buffalo Wild Wings, all in Rochester on Sundays. And I started randomly getting tickets to games and couldn't wait to go, and I used to be a snob because I thought I was making good money, making good money to like buy decent tickets in the lower bowl, and I would never sit up top, Nate. Never. One time, I got sculpt tickets, sat three hundred level, dead center, about sixteen rows up, and I had the best view of my life. And it was like the Jaguars. It was like Garrard and like Jones Drew, right? And the Bills lost, of course, in fashion. And 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 I had the best view ever, and I was like, oh my god, I can see the routes being run because high school football you can't see it. You're you're still too close, you know. I can see the open space, and the only negative at the time was you couldn't see the cheerleaders. I really don't care about that. I'm good there, frankly. So like, um, you know, I, I you could see everything on the field, and now we knew that once all 22 came out, things were going to change. And also, what what the problem is with coaches is they're stuck in this rhetoric of the old CBA and that like guys are going to respect them. And they, the, the, the main thing is they do not know how to communicate. And I am so sick when I hear that Brian Dable's a yeller and I go to practice and I'm sitting next to Turner and I hear next to Eric and I go, Oh my God. He goes, what? I go, damn dude, Brian Dable's loud. And I actually went on this Facebook rant that it did not go through. My mic did not turn on like literally that and the next day. Like, yo, I like Dable. I like seeing a bunch of these 
multiple offenses, but I think they're also just seeing, like I was saying, like, maybe they're just seeing like what they're capable of executing because we don't see much creativity now. And, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if this just yelling at guys in their face is going to work because when I see that you bring in Waffle, and my point is you got a guy like Marcel Darius who's had more tragedy in his life than anybody that I would know. A couple people murdered, close family members, and he got paid, Nate. Do you think that just yelling at a guy in his face, if that's the guy that's promoted from you know hard knocks, I don't know if that's how he really was or not, but when I see that promoted, that tells me you're not going to be able to communicate. And when your defensive line last season sucked, and people want to say, oh, the defense is better than Rex's, yeah, for what? Maybe four games? Four and a half games? I'm sorry, but their defense ranked worse than Rex's. And everybody wants to bash on Rex, Rex, Rex. I'm sorry. Rex didn't bring in a bunch of Jet players maybe until year two. We finally brought one or two people in. But everybody that McBean has brought in has flopped from whether that's staying diehard to Tolbert and using him in the wrong situations. LaShawn McCoy is not even, like, digress. I don't know how you don't give him the ball once a series. And it's like, Nate, they make football look extremely difficult. And I'm finally on board with everybody that's like, all right, we need a modern-day offense. Before, I was like, you know what? We could win with the run, this and that. But then I forget, Nate. You guys watched a modern-day offense in the 90s as you're a little sperm cell coming up and crushing football that would still hold up today. And the Bills can't figure it out. And then you're telling me, oh, it's about character. It's about character. All right, well, let me go down my list. You ready, Nate? So needs this offseason, offensive lineman. 14 in the draft, went in rounds two and three. Wide receivers, okay, Watkins right off the bat. He takes a safety with him. He takes part of the field. Boom, could have used him. Could have franchised him with Mahomes if you want to go that route. But I'm assuming you don't like Mahomes. You're not going to like Josh Allen. Next, uh, the 2019 draft for receivers, they say, is, is, is a little, which you can rebuttal any of these. I'm just going to go down it, um, is a little bit thin at receivers. So for me, you know what? That says no foresight if that's true. Ronald Darby for, for Matthews. Ronald Darby was a good cornerback, a really good cornerback. And you know what? Maybe you at least try him for a year while he's affordable still. Next, defensive back. So Darby, we covered. Kevon Seymour's already here. Cheap developmental player. Why not show him what he's doing? He's clearly not ingrained and in doing whatever the hell he is doing. Racks. Uh, Roby Coleman was like cut initially when he got here. And he was a fantastic slot corner and sucked the guys like Lou. But I understand it's a systems in football, clearly. Okay, defensive tackle. What a ripoff Sarotule is and how quiet the Bills and everybody else was about this whole, um, you know, contract. And Marcel Darius, he's such a bad person. We already kind of covered that with the whole waffle thing. And it's like you're paying two players to cover what, Mar what Marcel Darius could do. And frankly, Jordan Phillips is the closest thing I've seen. Maybe I'm blind to Marcel Darius since Marcel Darius, which is hard to replace. And I'm really stoked on that lucky pickup that they sucked so bad. Anyways, Cardale Jones, he's a different Josh Allen. You could have kept him. Anyways, um, Tyrod gone, you know, third round pick. So then I go to the thing and I go, all right, two firsts for Josh, uh, a first for Josh Allen, two seconds. Nate, our whole thing as Bills fans, buddy, has been this. The Bills blow the first round pick, right? So we have grown in love with these mid-round picks, my favorite picks in the world. And I have attachment issues. I have daddy issues, clearly, seriously. Rounds two and three. You could get so many players. You could have let the Bills have never been set up better before a draft in the history. And I made this point on the last podcast, which people might think is crazy, but like if Ricky Williams didn't get popped for weed, he probably would have been like the best running back ever if, if the NFL didn't have a stick up its ass for, for weed. Okay. And you might be able to say that trading your entire draft for Ricky Williams, 
back in that day when you could do that kind of shit was less risky than what the Bills did this year by giving up, not only moving up to get Josh Allen, but when you get a guy like Josh Allen, you need to support him with the quarterbacks coach. He's already behind the eight ball. You got to support him with everything you can because the only thing I care about this year, I didn't even follow the quarterbacks this year much because I just listened to you guys, dude. You guys had all the analytics people on on WGR. Um, I had Eric Turner doing stuff I saw. My friend Mike broke it all down, and Josh Allen was the same common theme. And next thing you know, you get a linebacker. I would have rather had, you know, Preston. I would have rather just had those picks, I should say. Not Preston Brown, but those picks. Five picks, five possible potential starters, and then you're set up to show promise into next year, and now you can use some of your salary cap if you hopefully maybe don't trade Cordy Glenn. I think that was really stupid just to move up. You could have let the draft fall to you. It's like they would have been in a prime spot to lock in some key free agents because I don't care about your cap space. But you're going to be paying guys like Dwan Edwards too much money if you remember that signing. You know, it's just like it wasn't a bad signing. It was effective. But you're going to be overpaying for average. Okay? Who's going to want to come to Buffalo? People are like, oh, you got to go get Des Bryant. Why do you want your career to come die here? They just look so disorganized with their notepad. I don't trust anything. They, I have been pretty much in lockstep with, with most of what Mike Shope has been saying to show you where I'm at. I just think that these guys are like playing cards and they are not hard. They are not easy to come by. And don't tell me that your way is better than mine when you have no pedigree. At least Rex Ryan has a bloodline. Okay? At least he came up in football and had some good defenses, cutting edge defenses. You know? But it didn't work. I get it. It's just, it shouldn't be this hard, Nate. So that's pretty much where I'm at. They, they, they're just so lost in a quarterback situation. I wonder if, if Bean is literally asleep. Like literally asleep. Yeah, and and the tough part, Dave, too, is like when you look at it and you look at it from the sense of that draft last year. And listen, I like Tremaine Edmonds, and I like a lot, and I like Zay Jones, and I like Deion Dawkins, but they've traded up a lot, um, and and they've used other assets that could have been potential starters to then trade up and get a a, a player that they're hoping is going to have superior talent, and and you know the. Tremaine Edmonds might be end up being a great NFL player, but was he worth not getting a guy like Kelvin Ridley or not worth getting a guy like Anthony Miller because you moved on those picks to move up to go get him when you know you could have had a guy like Preston Brown who is a numbers eater. Sure, he's not great, but you know, and and obviously you look at a guy like could you have gotten another guy like Matt Milano with a pick like that? Could you've gotten another guy like Harrison Phillips or could have gotten another guy like Taron Johnson by not trading those picks to move up. And listen, you know, the whole Josh Allen thing is is an interesting one for me because I, I just I didn't want him pre-draft. Uh, I think all of the things that he struggled with in college, he's now struggling with in the pros, which, you know, if, if you were just a person that understood what being a quarterback's about, you, you, that, that he makes the easy stuff look really, really difficult. And that's not the kind of guy you want, the kind of guy that excels at the easiest, the easy stuff, knowing that some of the harder nuanced stuff in the game can come with development. It's, you can't teach a guy to throw a, a five yard slant route accurately if he can't do it accurately. And then that, that first play of the game last week, I mean, he throws it in the dirt. It's a wide open play to Charles Clay. He throws the ball right in the dirt. And mm-hmm. you're just wondering what the hell are we doing? And, and the thing with Josh Allen that, that I think is, is most frustrating is, you know, and, and I mentioned this on ESPN today, ESPN Rochester, uh, in the, uh, in the, the sports bar with, with Gene Battaglia is that like, you can't, how, how this, this franchise is trying to sell 
that they have the pieces inside, the infrastructure inside the organization to turn this big block this big block of marble into a finished diamond like that. That's what they're trying to say that, that with no, with no history that suggests any of their coaches are good enough to, to turn what might be the rawest prospect at the quarterback position to come out in recent memory, at least to be drafted that high, that they have the infrastructure in place to turn this piece of rock into a finished diamond is, is, is a hard sell for me because they David Culley, their quarterbacks coach, was a former wide receivers coach. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a track record of Amen, developing. brother. I've been screaming that since April. And just let me chime in for one sec. I want to shoot it back sure. to you. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's it's common sense, Nate. Um, and, and the thing is, is it's not about knowing football or playing football or whatever. It's more about knowing systems in life and how things work and. Um, frankly, it's like Nate Peterman was a guy I liked going. I still think he has potential. I don't want to see him on the bills. And I said this whole time he has no use here. He's going to hold the team back. It's nothing against Nate. He's just not in the right situation. He's a QB three and the bills have way too many players to develop and figure out. And not for nothing. Nate Peterman went in prematurely. Josh Allen went in prematurely. I have been hammering the table that David Culley does not. And people are like, well, you know, they glossed over it today on Howard Simon, uh, Sale and Jeremy White and Howard. And I'm not crushing them, but it was just kind of like they didn't dive into it too much. And they're like, well, if you want to buy the quarterbacks coach, I mean, well, Andy Reid has Mahomes. It's like, well, Andy Reid has been around Brett Favre and, and worked in college as an offensive line coach and understands offense from the beginning blocks and when you talk to retired football players and, and real people who are not the media it all starts at the lines and it all starts in the trenches and these picks are valuable and one thing you don't do which i learned from ross tucker um is you do not move your guard from one side to the other you do not just do that but somehow do costs it's kind of work and it's like if you're willing to do that maybe you move your one-year wonder and Deion dawkins to the right side and keep your guy there and at least surround Josh Allen so he doesn't get crushed as best as possible. And then it's like, oh, no Derek Anderson. Oh, finally, we got Derek Anderson. And it's just like, what are you guys thinking? Honestly, Nate, is it crazy to think maybe they might want to, like, look at themselves and go, uh, we are not capable of developing any quarterback, and if we do, we need this, this, and this? I honestly think the Bills, believe it or not, might need a football czar. Like, that sounds crazy, but, like, to give the keys to these guys, being a McDermott, I'm sorry, Gettleman got fired. I'm not really impressed with Carolina drafts. Maybe I'm crazy and just don't know enough about Carolina, but I got some guy who's on this uh, podcast called Punch Drunk Sports. He's a producer, diehard Carolina fan, like, huge Carolina fan, and I'm trying to get him on to talk about it. So, I mean, he's he would know them in and out, but, I mean, Gettleman's fired. And Shope said it best, dude, not to keep quoting Shope with this podcast, but he said it best. He goes, if you like the Bill Parcells guy, you got him in McDermott. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. Not only that, dude, but not only was Gettleman fired in, in Carolina, look what he's done to the Uh-huh, Giants. and Shope's I mean, point like, there with the quarterback, yep. It's it's they're grossly undervaluing the level of difficult. And listen, you know, talk about Shope today. He tweets out that Matthew Stafford is currently averaging two hundred and seventy seven yards of 
through the air this season through through was it six games, five games? I think they are on their bye this week. That's ranked 19th in the league, 277 yards per game. Josh Allen hasn't eclipsed 200 yards in any of his starts yet this year in the last two games in three quarters, obviously 87 yards on Sunday, and the week before that, 84 yards in a full game. They're just, you know, they want to win with defense in an era that is winning with offense and winning with air yards and winning with, and listen, uh, you know, all the, and you know, we, we've talked about this many times. It's just like all of the rules are tilted towards the offense. And this team is trying to build with one hand behind their back. And listen, this bill's defense is very good. This is probably as good as the bill's defense can, can truthfully get uh, because yeah, you, I and guess. not only that dude, they're a listen, do you know how rare it is for a team to be to not have any injury designations going into week six? Like, and the people that are saying, "Well, the Bills have a young core defensively; that they're just going to keep getting better." Yeah, you can't go into every year. You can't just look in the future and just assume they're going to stay the same. And I think I think it was Bill Parcells that said it: is that you you never stay the same. You either you either get better or you get worse. You're never the same. And for the Bills to potentially potentially get better defensively, it would be a hard sell for me because. Right now, where it stands, being 100% healthy, they're great. And uh, next year, you don't know if Trey White's going to tear an ACL in the first game or in training camp, or if Trey Edmonds, you know, breaks a foot, or you know, Matt Milano, you know, pulls a hamstring and and is missing six to ten games. Like you just can't prepare or say, hey, well, they're going to be just as good next year. You know, and that and that was my point about them wasting such a great defense this year with a historically bad offense it really is just a shame dude and, and you don't you know something too i wanted to, to also kind of bring in a little bit of the beginning of this conversation back to you which was you know when when dick Duran got fired buddy nix was brought in and, and at first i was like oh another another guy that's just uh we're off as being cheap that's an narrative right and then then it's like you know what they did is they got rid of all their dead weight. They didn't care if Shovel came back. You know, he bragged about being, Nick's bragged about being a falls, being asleep on free agency night. And, you know, they kind of let the talent play out. And we saw Chang Gailey, like, make some lemonade out of lemons on offense and kind of got to learn a lot about football, you know, uh, how not to put a defense together, how George Edwards hybrid 3-4 was not really good. Um, but, you know, they also how things change and things grow and progress. But what they did is they developed a scouting department that was very i thought very deep they kept working on that for years and when mcdermott came in you would know more than me and i don't know if you're allowed to answer this if you would i'm not there but it's like it's almost ironic that i think doug whaley and mcdermott would have been great together because doug whaley can't talk and mcdermott just straight up doesn't say shit anyway so (laughs) and, and not for nothing but like whaley would find guys off the street plug and play system guys and he would produce that week you know and, and i'm not saying he landed he definitely screwed himself with walk-ins and all this other crap but like dude i'm telling you right now what brandon bean did in this draft is like Watkins times 10 so like he's like he's climbing like way uphill in general and it's just a lot of money to bet on a josh allen and, and it's like the, the gas an entire staff there sir is really crazy to me because i thought those guys did a good job of bringing in guys that made pro bowls because for years the bills had nobody that went to pro bowls for like what four or five years minus jaris bird like it was rough and you know cordy glenn second round pick miller third round pick was fine for two years until you undid it and one more guy i wanted to bring up with you real quick while he's on my tongue 
Aaron Cromer. Can we talk about how that guy was not good enough for the Bills to hire as an offensive line coach? Like, the one thing you had set for you is to come in and make that turnkey, and you don't offer that guy $5 million a year to run your offensive line with LaShawn McCoy, who should be getting the ball at least once a series. And honestly, if they traded him as a sports fan, I would be okay with it so he can, like, actually do something with his, with his life. You know? I actually brought up a, I brought up an interesting point today, like why the Bills wouldn't be exploring a LaShawn McCoy for Jacoby Brissett trade would sort of be beyond me because like you need to go get if, if you still truly believe that Josh Allen is the future answer, they need to go get a legitimate player that can either A push him to get to that level or B overtake him and at least give him the ability to sit on the bench next year and really because I do think I thought all along Josh Allen needed two years to sit and watch. I, I'm in the same boat as Trent Dilfer as that the team that was going to be willing to be patient with Josh Allen was going to reap the rewards of having, you know, a player that might really be something special, but it was the team. And, and listen, I think there was so many people that, that argued that the bills were probably the worst possible team for Josh Allen to go to because they just knew they weren't going to have the patience to let him sit and let him sort of mature or let him, um, you know, like, just settle and, and, and learn how to play the game from a cerebral standpoint rather than to go in and, and play when he just wasn't ready. And, you know, Josh, Josh Rosen was on the board and there was a lot of, there's a lot of speculation that the, the Cardinals really wanted Allen, that the bills were going to have to trade up if they wanted him. And I just would have loved it to be the, the Arizona Cardinals that were, were the team that traded up instead of the bills and the bills could have just sat put and, and took Josh Rosen. I would have felt much better about it. They would have had an extra second. They'd had two extra second round picks. And maybe we're not even talking about this. Nate, am I crazy to think that they have blundered everything with Josh Allen since not only giving up the picks? And here's the thing. Let me make one thing clear with you. Whoever the Bills tried out there, I'm going to root for. I, I am a Bills fan. I have my opinion. Okay? But I don't want Nathan Peterman to shit on himself. But if he's throwing pick four or five, I'm going to laugh on my floor laughing at my dad's house. It's going to happen. And, and it's like, you know... Josh Allen, I feel like he's been set up for disaster from the get-go. Even the opening press conference, it's a mess. It sounds like a funeral. It sounds like somebody died. You you could have had Bill Belichick out there explaining that Aaron Hernandez is, you know, killed himself because he killed some people. You know what I mean? Which is, like, really dark and, and sad. But, like, that's what Josh Allen's presser, intro presser, sounded to me. And for Brandon Bean to come out like, oh, he's a Buffalo guy, trust me. Let me tell you something, Nate. I went to like some, I got some roots in Buffalo from being a teenager and one of my good friends growing up playing in a band, Wide of the Mark, out there. My friend Dan listens to this. And like, he, you know, he was a guitar player, then he's a, he's a friend. They're still friends. Like, I, I talk to him sometimes, a year, like once a year here and there. But like, dude, I would never claim to know what a Buffalo guy is. You know what I mean, dude? I've been coming into Buffalo for. 20 years and it's like I, you want i'm 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 a buffalo guy but that doesn't make me good at quarterback but what i'm trying to say is like don't give me this whole thing about cutting through the wind and all this crap like no what is your plan to develop this kid who's a quarterback's coach you brought in who's a veteran that has more than god a thousand yards throwing the ball in the live like don't this is stupid. The process, this is the problem, is I like McDermott. I like the quote-unquote smart hire. I like what he's about, which is organization, which is cool. But, like, really, I think he's more full of shit than any other coach I've ever seen. Like, it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And everybody's involved in this love fest because when they immediately hire him, they go, you know what? You're not going to get these dumb penalties. You're not going to Bullshit. 
Baloney! You're getting more penalties. You're doing worse as a team. I've never yeah, seen a team have, that is not together. This team has no identity. No identity. They don't, have, they don't have the personal foul penalties, but they sure as hell still have the procedural, the the boneheaded penalties that cost them the only decent throw that Josh Allen made all game yesterday. It was called back because their fullback was lined up at wide receiver and didn't know that you can't cover your tight end. So why do you think the Bills thought it was okay? to do this with Josh Allen and not have a vet on the QB that could be like, yo, man, when the dude's in your face, man. Because, like, the deal is, is the CBA is limited. You need to find a guy who's going to get along with Josh Allen. And when I'm wondering why McCarron and Peterman are hanging out, working out in the offseason, but Josh Allen ain't with him, that's kind of weird to me. You know, so it's like, what, like, like Josh Allen needs to be throwing a ball right now. I don't care if his hands hurt, start throwing left-handed. You're here, dude. You got some power. I would like go, yo, go get me somebody to coach me. Go get me a guy. Like Derek Anderson was a bum when he retired. He was a bum five years ago. He was a bum on this whole thing about like on the sidelines with the Cardinals. I'll never forget that crap. You know, like, no, dude, like he's not good. Like this is like, I'd rather have, I'd rather have you get Michael Vick, the dog killer. Seriously, Michael Vick will probably win games on a stupid team. You know what I mean? It's not that hard, dude. It's not that hard. And you have a guy like LaShawn McCoy who you're supposed to bail out. You should be throwing a screen until they can't stop you. Okay? The old Bills, they had like, what, seven plays and they had variations of it? Keep it simple, stupid. It's not rocket science, dude. And, and, and Nate Peterman, the, the, the problems I hear from Sale today on Howard Simon, which is like, yeah, Nate didn't know what way the protection's coming from and this and that. That tells me you need a quarterback's coach, Nate. Am I wrong? You played the position... You definitely need a quarterback's coach. They don't have one. And, you know, I, honestly, I, I was thinking about Jordan Palmer the whole time. I mean, Jordan was was Josh's mentor in the offseason. It's who he threw with. It's who he worked. He worked with Sam Darnold. He worked with Josh Rosen. Um, he worked with a lot of these young players. And my whole thing is go pay him whatever he needs to, to be paid to come in here and be the full-time quarterback's coach and allow him to mentor Josh Allen and hopefully that does something but I don't know you know it's uh, they they don't have a quarterback's coach and they I think that Josh Allen you know if they're going to develop him the right way needs someone he can trust um, and I think that guy's probably like Jordan Palmer now do you think it's a little bit um, the thing I liked about Whaley is he was able to find guys plug them in um, and, and defensively McDermott and, and, the, and the guys are figuring out it's only a matter of time and even the offensive line is looking better we can't just look at them and be like oh you're bums you know Zay Jones is coming to fruition um, and, and I'm rooting for Zay Jones dude. like always 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 whenever I hear somebody going through mental issues because behind scenes here dude I'm crazy I go through a lot of emotions man I'm an emo person okay I go through my I go through my stuff and it's like I understand Zay Jones I empathize with these kids and when I see a guy like Zay Jones going bonkers I don't want to say it's the Bills' fault, but I don't want to ever say that it had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Like when you right. grew up in a bred football pro family and you have these high expectations, okay, that's unreal. Like that's that's unreal, you know? So it's like there's a lot of pressure on these kids. And when Josh Allen is going out there and now he's finally hurt, it's like, honestly, you might think I'm nuts. I thought that the last two games, he looked different three games ago. I don't th- I don't think you're nuts at all. I thought that I think he's Sunday was, I thought that Sunday was the best game he's played in his career. Which one? Zay Jones. Yeah. Yeah. This I week. thought I thought it was good. No, what I was saying is I think Josh Allen, the last two games, looks more rattled than he did three games ago. And I think he's so young that people are like, No, 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 you can't tell yet. But I'm like, No, no, no. His footwork 
I feel wasn't as bad. Like he he correct you know the whole knock on him was he can't make the stupid throw right the easy one and in training camp and even early on in the season he kind of made those easy ones but then once he got his head bashed in like a million times he could not like it, it's over like the like I, I can't even get mad at Calvin Benjamin you can't catch a ball at your feet and, and Charles Clay man I feel so bad for him because like he has a drop all the time like a Terrell Owensy kind of thing. But, like, he stretches and does all this crap, anything he can to get a stat, dude. Like, he does anything he can to try to get to the ball. I'm like, it's like this last game, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, just I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't even know what this is. It, it's, like, really hard, Nate. It's, uh, it's never easy, man. And uh, what makes it more difficult is, um, again, you know, with the idea that you could have had you, you, you could have had Josh Rosen in, in as, as much as – and I, that's a guy I thought was the best quarterback in this draft. And Turnkey starter, right? Yep, right away. And not only that, but you're talking about a team that maybe doesn't have tons of great weapons. They needed a pro-ready quarterback, and they got a project who can't even utilize – and, and I just don't want to hear that the guys can't get open anymore because they are. They are open. It's just a matter of him not being able to find any of them. Now, why is Jeremy Curley not on the roster when they could have had him as a kick returner? They could have had all this crap. Why is Jeremy Curley not on the roster? I have my theory, which is uh, I thought I saw him like kind of like spinning around on film, like all pissed off, and he was wide open in the fucking end zone one day. So, um, you know, is it that? I don't, I don't know what it is. It, it's sort of head-scratching considering they have really nobody else, and they've got Andre Holmes going out there every week. But um, I, I don't know what it is, to be quite honest with you. I don't know, Nate. And lastly, is it wrong for me to have wanted to sustain playoff success? And the last thing I was hoping for was, guys, pump the brakes. Let's not pump up how great this coach is going to be. And then we're going back to the playoffs and all this crap. And this whole, like, embedded, like, credit to the video and audio department over there at One Bills Drive. They're killing it. Like, great content. But, like, my friend Michael, did you watch the embedded? I go, no, I'm not going to watch it. Horse shit. I'll watch it when they play, like, four or five games. And I'll see, like, okay, okay, now what? Can you guys coach? Well, because when I, they play Tom Brady and the dude can actually get rid of the ball in, in, in under two and a half seconds, which is extreme, like Phillip Rivers was like the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life, hands down, at one Bills drive. Phillip's, Phillip Rivers had my mind blown. Like, like he remind like it's not even any style throw, but like a sidearm thrower in baseball would like mind would like boggle me. Like he throws the ball so weird and it goes exactly where it needs to go. Uh, whether it's a foot off the turf or like three feet above the dude's reach for him to go up and get like he is like Antonio Gates caught the ball I'm like damn I got to see a piece of history and he, he had burst still and I'm like oh my god dude I'm not buying the Bills D that it's 100% there until we see it against a guy who's known to get rid of the ball quick you know what I mean I listen though your first point like I I think that the Bills going to playoffs might have been the worst possible thing for some people in this fan base because it's sort of like it's sort of like getting laid for the first time right like especially if you haven't been laid your entire life and you're a 25 26 27 year old guy and you get laid by you know some disgusting broad you're gonna be like wow this is the best thing i've ever had because i haven't had the playoffs in 17 years and this guy's the greatest or you know and and now you're just totally jaded and you can't possibly think of a negative the bills marketing team fucking playoffs. ran with it nate the bills right, you should have talked to the bills marketing team and they should have been like yo 
here's the deal, man. Like, Andy Dalton got really lucky. We got really lucky. And we pulled Tyrod Taylor out for no reason. And we're going to rely on this fifth-round pick just because. And everybody that they have developed has puked on themselves. Like, I'm waiting. I'm, like, I'm like waiting for my phone to, like, blow up, like, Monday, Tuesday. Like, oh, Bill's made a transaction. And then if they do on, like, Wednesday or fucking Friday, it's like they got, like, a defensive guy or something. And I'm like, really? Like, I kind of trust your depth. You guys are doing all right, you know? And it's like, dude, it's just, it, it's just this, Nate, is – they could have had many guys to fall to them. They didn't have to snag a rookie. It, it, it's just build around them and, and and do the best you can. But you have to, it, it, if he's the most important investment, then treat him like one. Right. Then that's, I, that's pretty much what I'm at with it. I, I totally agree with you, man. And I don't think the best way to do it is continue to throw him out there. But you know what? Here's the thing. They, they faced a lot of mid-level defenses for the rest of the season. We knew that the beginning part of this schedule was going to be one hell of a, a test for him to go up against the first, fourth, sixth, seventh, and tenth ranked defenses in the league to start the season. Now he's going to get to face the 22nd, the 20th, the 28th, and the 30th ranked defenses over the next couple of weeks. So maybe we'll get a better idea. No, how does he look injury-wise? you think he's going to play this week? No, I think he'll probably be a two- to three-week injury. That's... I don't have any insider information, but just knowing that it's an injury to the throwing elbow and considering the next play he went out there and was in considerable pain after throwing the football, I'd guess it's a two- to three-week injury similar to like what you saw from Marcus Mariota. Uh, last one for you. Do you think um, – do you have empathy for Josh Allen, like, um, the, like the situation? Because I feel like I give – I like this podcast. I'm not saying players listen or not, but I, I feel like there needs to be more like – the, the, the team has so much money in, in public relations and marketing that they can put, you know what, this guy just didn't fit, and we want players to be here. But really, the player might be standing up for themselves. I don't know if you ever caught Arian Foster's podcast, or uh, Joe Rogan and Arian Foster had a podcast. It's really interesting. And he, like, really the most open telling about NFL football I've ever heard. Like, crazy. Like, all the way down to, like, the painkillers they can take, and they have to sign a waiver about, but they can't smoke weed. And he's like, yeah, the best receiver is not even active in the league. And it's like Josh Gordon. It's like really awesome conversation. So kind of, you know, these players, he's like, you know, they said in college that I didn't get that. I wasn't coachable. He goes, I'm just not doing your dumb shit. Like, no, I'm not just doing that because you just want me to do that. He's like, no, I got my own nutrition plan. I got my own like, no, I'm very coachable. It's just I'm not going to do the fucking dumb shit. You know what I mean? Like, and, and the players are all just made to be looked at like stupid idiots. So that's why I wonder, like. I feel bad for the kid. He needed time. He at least needs people around him and pieces around him. I don't I, I don't think I feel bad for him. I think he's an NFL player, you know, to, to whatever standard, I guess. But I don't necessarily think I feel bad for him. I, I think I maybe feel bad that he got put in a situation where he came to Buffalo and not someplace that was going to have um, an infrastructure or, or patience to let him sit. But um, I don't know. It, it's, it's sort of a difficult question for me because – um, I don't think that he was really ever going to be a great quarterback, and now he's in a situation where um, he's being forced to swim without a life jacket, and, and and has proven at least in college. And, and here's the one thing, dude. Before you know, before we end this, that I, I, people keep wanting to say, but Jared Goff, Nate. But look at Jared Goff in his first seven games. He was terrible, and then he turned into this great quarterback. And and everyone says, well, yeah, it's because of McVeigh or it's because of those weapons. But I'm here to tell you. 
in his junior year, his last year at Cal, when he was drafted number one overall, Jared Goff threw for 4,400 yards and 43 touchdowns. Josh Allen hasn't thrown for 43 touchdowns in his college career. Stop comparing Josh Allen to these other players because there isn't a precedent for a player that was as bad as Josh was in college to then turn into some sort of great player at the next level. There isn't a precedent for it. So do I feel bad for him? I guess in certain aspects I do. But for the most part, I, I just think that he is a player that that's going to end up making, a, a, you know, whatever, $30, $40 million in this league. And he may never see a second contract. So, uh, you know, uh, he'll, he'll make his money and that'll probably be that. Nate, thank you for coming on. I can't disagree. So... I'm glad, I'm glad that we were able to connect and, and get back on, man. It's been too long. Yeah, definitely, dude. Uh, where can we find you again? At Nate Geary, WGR, and of course at WGR550.com. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, and mentioned Turner, I'm up at Eric's site as well at CoverOne.net. Awesome, Nate. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, buddy. Good See to be back on. Thanks. All right, so that was Nate Geary from WGR550. And again, you can catch him on the Overtime Show, which is after um, Chopin Bulldog, the, the real deal Overtime Show. So um, Chopin Bulldog, not sure if anybody's ever checked him out. I, I highly recommend it for the jaded Bills fan, I should say, who's seen this story written before. And believe me, eight to ten years ago, I was kind of on board with shouldn't be that hard. You know, guys, you you don't you just don't understand. It, it, it is hard. It is hard to win in the NFL. No, you know, I was I was with taking whatever the Bills would tell me and and, and believing it. You know, but the fact of the matter is, if you look in the last say eight years, how many teams have gone through multiple quarterbacks, multiple coaches, and still made the playoffs? There's only so much. You have Tom Brady in your division and Bill Belichick I can take after a while too. And I've always given it the benefit of the doubt. That said, New Orleans has Drew Brees. You have Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is always in a competitive division, you would think. But just for some reason, the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins just can't figure it out within the division so um i just like to call bullshit where i see it and uh i've been hammering the table for months now for months if you've been following along since the draft josh allen is not set up to be developed here you have to develop the quarterback and um you could almost say that cardale jones was getting more developed with david lee when he was here as the third string quarterback and, and actually being worked on in, in a better process, frankly. We're here, it's like, do you have a pulse? Are you on the team already? Well, go in there and start now. Nate Peterman cannot throw the ball for an out to save his life. He just, it's it's amazing, you know, but he's still on the roster and it's the Bills' choice. And a lot of this is the Bills' choice. And I don't know how. That within a year and a half, not even, of Sean McDermott, it's even worse than Rex Ryan, I think, the feeling. You know, Rex Ryan's teams, let me tell you something about Rex Ryan's teams. We didn't get to get into this with Nate. Tyrod Taylor and Rex Ryan teams, they put up points 
It was not an issue to get points. Did you get passing yards? No. But you didn't want Tyrod because you don't get to passing. You're just not going to win games. It's 180 yards passing. Tyrod would get like a, a rushing touchdown and a throwing touchdown. The Bills are getting no touchdowns. Okay, we're complaining about that. I get it. Some guys can't make certain throws. But show me that you are as smart as you say you are in that front office on that coaching staff. Because it's looking like you are not surrounding your most important asset in Josh Allen. And the point of today's conversation was to show that five picks are given up for a quarterback and a middle linebacker. And now it's catching up to the Bills. And a lack of foresight is unreal. Could have been set up where next year you are attractive for free agents to come in because you have a a, a team that looks like it's at least lubricated on the same page offensively. Can we get there? Defensively, that's a whole other podcast. I mean, the defense has been going awesome. Like, love watching the defense come together. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, David Palermo. As always, a part of Punch Drunk Sports. Just saw the Tinfoil Hat Comedy uh, podcast with uh, Sam Tripley and Eddie Bravo at the Syracuse Funny Bone Sunday night. I actually watched the game in Syracuse at a bar, thing called World of Beer or something. So it's kind of neat, kind of fun, you know. But, hey, follow along, follow them on Twitter at Punch Drunk. Check out their, their podcast, Punch Drunk Sports. Comedians Ari Shafir, Jason Tebow from DirecTV's Red Zone Network, her channel. Um, and Sam Tripoli, uh, pop that over. We're trying to get Johnny, the producer of Punch Drunk Sports on. He is a diehard Carolina Panthers fan, and I want to get to the bottom of the business with the Carolina Panthers. That way we can see if McBean is full of shit. So here we go. Um, as always, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever you think, you'll find me eating a hot dog, your host, Idiot Palermo here. And, um... Looking to revamp. Anybody want to help contribute? Looking for sponsors soon. I think you want to do anybody wants to help. Just hit me up. Dave at numbillsfan.com. And uh, we're looking to step up our game coming soon. Got a lot more things in the work. Have an artist lined up possibly to. I might audible to somebody too. So this will be cool. Have a lot more cool art flow. Because I got to get a new logo. If anybody has logo ideas, let me know. Uh, kind of sick of having my face up there eating a hot dog little self-conscious my hair's a lot better now and i don't know if you could tell but my knuckles are actually a little bloody in that picture kind of fight with the door at home shit happens keep it real and as always tell your friends and subscribe on itunes subscribe goodbye